You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Cousins being rushed, and down he goes. R.J. McIntosh with a sack. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan, now with baseball news. You know, Friday night I was ready to start off with a probably a 35 to 40 minute, you know, uh, monologue. Uh, but this was such a crazy weekend for me. You know, if you follow me on Twitter at The Cranky Fan, you know all of my passions. And with this crazy year, everything is colliding at once. You know, Rays, you know, win a very tough game five. And to you Yankee fans, that was a hell of a series. If this was a best of 21 some team would win in, uh, you know, 11. So I'm not going to rip on you guys much. But then when you go through, as great as Friday was, Saturday, my uh, my Gators shit the bed. Who's You think the Giant defense is bad? Go watch Florida's defense. That is beyond a sieve. That's a gaping hole. Uh, but go, watch, go listen to the uh, Just Gators podcast for that one. I don't even want to talk about them. Uh, Sunday, the Giant game aggravation and then two more raise wins so i am an emotional wreck i've been riding a roller coaster for four days i'm not gonna blast you yankee fans or make fun of you because my goal is the world series and we move on from there we will take care of the astros who everybody in the world hates and everybody is a Braves fan now so jump on the bandwagon come join me as we beat the biggest cheating bunch we've had in the last you know 100 years and let's just move on and now talk about the giants in more depressing news, the Giants fell to the Cowboys in a in a a true division battle, uh, twenty seven to twenty four. So we've mentioned, you know, that the Giants have been hanging in there with tough opponents. You know, we started off with Pittsburgh. You know, they were underdogs. It was a Sunday night game. Monday night. It was Monday night game. Yeah, Monday night. Yeah. Yes. Um. You know, and they they kind of did hang in there, and uh, you know, they they were behind for most of the game. They had to come back and try and do something at the end they fell through same thing with the bears you know they kind of hung in there a little bit and you know they had their shot to come back and they didn't do it um skipping over that they got the shit kicked out of them by the san francisco 49ers you know we again saw um had had a shot to come back against the rams and you know just fell through on the final drive um this one going up against the first ranked offense in the league um they really – this was a true football game. And, you know, I made made a joke on Twitter because I was pretty inebriated. But, you know, as much of a joke as it was, I'm being serious in that this is the New York baby steps. And game five, we had an actual game. This was an NFL game that we watched. This was an NFL team that we watched. And – um you know this. You know, disappointing to lose the way they did on a final drive where the Cowboys come down and, and kick a field goal to win it as time runs out. Um, but not a whole lot can be said from the Giants' perspective of you know being terrible, being bad. You know, there is a singular problem that you know what it just looks like to me, and we'll get into this that there's just not enough yet. That's it. I mean. A piece here, a piece there, and you've got an NFL team that can win one week or lose the next week. A competitive NFL team. You know, we can debate if year three of rebuild we should be at this point or not. That's kind of not the point. The point is that's where we are now, right? We are we are knocking on the door to be a below average team, which sounds bad, but you know, two weeks ago, we didn't even think this team was an NFL team. We thought this team was just a pile of garbage. And we were, you know, we were sounding fire alarms that the whole thing is a complete mess. And, you know, it's still a mess. But, you know, I like to use the term, we're seeing green shoots. And we are seeing green shoots. The The defense is developing an identity. The, the defense, you know, for the most part, is doing a very good job against the run. And they're going to now keep building on that. Although, some pretty big injuries are going to hurt that a little bit. Um, you know, this this offense is starting to show a little bit of an identity that, you know, the only thing they can really do with any effectiveness 
is run the ball. And again, we're not talking about, you know, a 300 yard per game running offense, a team that can at least, you know, move the pile a little bit and get some yardage. So everything isn't second and nine and third and nine. Uh, so, you know, we've said this to caution everybody that you're not going to see giant steps, you know, especially in this year where everything was slower than we wanted to kind of develop. But, you know, the problem is that, you know, I, I always use the term losers lose, and this is still a losing team. It's a losing franchise and losers find ways to lose games. And, you know, this is a game we found a way to lose. And, you know, Changing the culture is Joe Judge's biggest task on this team. And, you know, with more discipline, tougher guys, sounder fundamentals, you know, along with continued upgrading of talent, that will come. But, you know, you have to crawl before you walk, and we're still crawling. Absolutely. And and you know what? You're right. You know, we – at the beginning of this year, without a preseason to get any sort of glimpses to what this team was going to look like, we all thought that this defense was going to be a major problem. And now through five weeks, I think after five weeks, we can say that it's no fluke that this defense is not that bad. You know, it's unfair. You know, it, it is what it is, and there's nothing you can do about what happens with DeAndre Baker, with Sam Beal opting out. You know, it just, it is what it is. You know, now you're down to, I have no idea what we do at cornerback number two. We can only deal with what's out on the market. You trade for a guy named Yadam, um, who's, you know, rotational at best, a former third-round pick, I think. You know, you take a flyer on him, you trade a seventh-round pick. That's a pretty null and void trade. That's very even. Um you know, you sign Logan Ryan, but he's really not an outside corner guy. He's going to kind of move around, slot, you know, go up top a little bit, play some safety and some some looks or whatever. You know, you got to do what you have to do. And yet, without without the big Chase Young style pass rusher, this team has 12 sacks on the year. That's pretty good. It's not great. It's not bad though. You know, I mean, that's like. The one thing that this team we could complain about, we've been screaming for, you know, getting a pass rusher since I don't even know. I mean, well, it was the biggest debate before the draft was offensive linemen or, you know, trying to get, you know, a a premier pass rusher. You know, do we trade up to get Chase Young? I mean, that's kind of, you know, that was the conversation. So it's a legitimate concern. And yet it doesn't seem to be, I mean, does this team still lack that three-down star power of being a complete defensive end slash defensive tackle slash linebacker, whatever you want to call them for whatever your system is, your three-down pass rushers slash also really good against the run? Absolutely, they don't have that on the team. And no one will deny that. And will this team benefit from that? Absolutely. Everyone would agree with that. Is that actually holding back this team in a major way? I would say no. Um, I, you know, I don't think that's this defense's biggest problem right now. Well, I, again, what the glaring problems are and what we need for long-term success are not going to be solved during this regular season. So you have to do is exactly. Yeah. Are you seeing incremental improvement from game three to game four to game five, and imp- improvement at the quarter point? You know, it, it's best to evaluate a team after each quarter of a season. And, you know, can you say now that, you know, it's we're in the second quarter of this year, is this defense better than it was on week one? And the answer is yes. Uh, you know, again, we're not all of a sudden the 85 Bears, but, you know, we're also not the 2020 Florida Gator defense of civness. So, um, you know, it's and, but the thing is, it's just frustrating, you know, when you're when you get in situations like Sunday where we're actually for the first time in a while like you said, in a real game and you're playing against a team you hate the most, you just hate to see you get reality put in your face that, Oh, this is still a pretty, you know, below average team. And, you know, with all the issues and stuff and it, it stings, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I don't think the sky, you should not feel like the sky is still falling at this second based on what you saw from the defensive side. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, it's 
it's a pain in the ass to lose the way you do where, you know, again, blame is put on the defense here, right? Like the Cowboys marched down the field. They came back, came ahead, tied the game, and won with a field goal. I mean, that's that's on the defense. Defense has to step up and make a stop, um, and, and they didn't, but. It's kind of it's really kind of unforgivable the way it happened too. Like that fast towards the very end, it's just you know whether it's just you know lack of depth, like all these different things. But it's just very very disheartening, no matter how good or bad you are to to blow a game like that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, there's um, there are things where this defense can get better, uh, and I think you can directly point at the secondary. You know, I think. I think that's an issue. They were going up a team that is four deep at the at the receiving position, and we aren't even two deep at the corner position. So, you know, that was going to be a challenge. It's 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 something we talked about in the pregame. How are we going to stop this kind of offense? We're not really built for it uh, right now. This is our biggest weakness, and yet for most of the game, it was stopped when it mattered most. It just was too much to bear, I guess. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of where we are on the defensive side. On the offense, we saw points being scored, which is, like, something that we're not used to. So, um, there was a little bit... I mean, th- this is still several steps behind the defense. The defense is actually ranked in, in a favorable spot amongst the other teams in the league. Now, there's more that goes into that than just simply numbers. But the fact that that's even an argument in your pocket for the defense is far more than anything the offense has right now. Nevertheless, as you alluded to, um, this offense is showing glimmers of running game. Again, not 300 yards per game on the ground or anything of that nature, Walter Payton-style offense. Um, But what we're seeing is, you know, Devonta Freeman just, we're going to run the ball, power run it, pull some guards, pull a tackle, and just go straight ahead. And impose your will. And we're seeing it. We're seeing second and two. You know, second and one. Which is really interesting because if Saquon Barkley was here, that's not what we'd be trying to do. So, you know, when you're trying to evaluate Jason Garrett, you know, you have to look at things like that as how do we, how are we adapting our game plan based upon the the teams we are playing and the personnel we have and what's working, what's not working. So this is a subtle shift that we would, we would not have seen before the injury to Barkley. And, you know, so far, it's been effective. You know, Daniel Jones needs all the help we can get. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Daniel Jones. But the one thing that will help him is being in second and five as opposed to second and nine. It it, it changes up everything. It changes up how are you going to attack, you know, the defense. It changes up what the defense is going to do, all these different things. And, you know. Getting out of obvious passing downs and long passing downs opens up your offense and it opens up, you know, what Jones can do at this point in his career. Because right now, you know, we have to have this discussion about Daniel Jones because right now he is just, I don't want to say he's lost, but he is certainly, it's not, the game is not natural to him right now. He is processing everything and you can see it in the decision making how he's moving and his, and his just overall timing of everything. So he needs all the help he can get. I think when Daniel Jones is allowed to just do things, he looks fine. Um, we saw a couple of times with him, you know, having to roll out of the pocket and look downfield and he'll connect downfield for 10, 15 yards with Darius Slayton, Golden Tate. There are certain matchups he's seeing and he'll do the quick throw and we're, we're, he's finding guys down the field. I think a lot of what we're seeing is some just bad design from Jason Garrett. And I don't know, you know, you yeah, said, see. look, we'll, we'll get into Jones. It's not, I'm not, not, this is the problem that Giants fans are having. And it's pointing the finger and saying, this is the problem. There are multiple little problems here. There is not one giant culprit that you can just say, if we fix this, this can happen. And it starts at the top, fire Gettleman. Then it goes down to Jason Garrett doesn't know what he's doing. Daniel Jones is a bust. We shouldn't have drafted Saquon Barkley. You know, there isn't a fix. There's a bunch of little things that need to get tweaked right. And I'm not saying that that makes Jason Garrett the offensive coordinator or Dave Gettleman the GM or Daniel Jones the quarterback for that matter. I don't know any of these things. What I'm saying is I'm seeing things and you can't just point to a play and say, 
you know, this is more proof of that. There are some plays where we're seeing, if you look at the All-22, Daniel Jones has simply nowhere to go. All three routes are just five yards and turn around. Nobody is fucking open. He has nowhere to run, and he's dumping it off. Guy's getting hit one yard forward. It is now second and nine. Okay? I know that nobody likes to see that. I know that we want Daniel Jones to be this NFL MVP and Aaron Rodgers' way out of the pocket and throw a 60-yard bomb on a dime in a tight window and score a touchdown. It's not... It's not. But that's yeah. That's what we saw at the Ben McAdoo offense with Eli Manning, a guy who's been playing for 15 years exactly. too. So it's yeah, yeah. So so you know there are some things. You know, I I tried to highlight something. I got some flack for it. I got some people agreeing with me. There was a play where Daniel Jones. Um, I'm not sure if he took a sack or threw it away, but a middle blitzer came and. Um, the play resulted in a nullity. I don't know if it was a sack or if, if he threw it away and it was incomplete pass or whatever. But on that, he had Darius Slayton crossing into the middle, right where the blitzer is coming from. If he identified that blitzer, he has to know as quarterback that you have a route going to a spot that's being vacated. That should be open. You should be looking for that. He wasn't looking there. Okay, I can definitively say that a little bit of that one, that's on Daniel Jones. End of story. And you can't blame anybody else for it. You know, sometimes yeah. they're going to bring more rushers than you have blockers. You have to know that you have an advantage elsewhere when they do that as the quarterback. You have to know that. And if Darius Slayton wasn't wide open, I wouldn't even be blaming him for this. Maybe if he wasn't looking at all, but still. Um, you know, there are plays like that we're seeing from Daniel Jones. There's other things we're seeing from Jason Garrett where. I'm not even sure what this play is designed to do. Get four yards? Why? It's first. Well, come on. Are we trying to throw the ball, or what the hell are we doing? Well, I, I do have I do have in my notes here. You know, after we got the ball back on a, a turnover, I have should have went for headshot. Didn't. Where yeah, I you remember know, you texting me too. Throw a ball yeah. here. They're on their heels. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Just there. There was no attempts at all, really, to stretch this defense at all. And I'm going to go back to. I'm going to start with Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett all of a sudden did not forget how to run an offense. He did not, you know, he, he evaluates his personnel on a daily basis. He sees what Daniel Jones can and can't do on the practice field. He knows what Daniel Jones knows and doesn't know with the playbook. He knows the decision-making that Daniel Jones is capable of at this point in his career more than we we will ever in a normal year, and especially in a year like this when there's even you know more limited access. We, we didn't see what happened in, in in the preseason, and to me, you know, based on the play calling, based on what I see just from my eyes with Daniel Jones, is I feel like Daniel Jones is starting to swim in it a little bit, well, actually a lot of it, and it happens a lot during a season where, you know, this once the season gets started, it's not you know, practice reps to get better. It's all of a sudden you have to start preparing for next week, installing game plan. What are you going to do against this? You can't fix the things that, you know, time helps you get better with. And I, I really think that Jason Garrett has simplified and dumbed this offense down because, you know, too often Daniel Jones is either, you know, looking too long at his primary, not looking at his second one, uh, holding the ball too long, uh, all those little things that like a, has a, like a deer in the headlights look about him, and you could just see it. You know, I, I complain all the time. I have it in my notes here four times. Threw off back foot, no reason to. I mean, it's one thing when you know two guys are in your face, you're about to get sacked, you just throw off your back foot. But he's developing a bad habit of even when there's not pressure around him that he's throwing off his back foot. And I don't, I don't know if that he just his internal clock is completely whacked right now, or he's just developing bad habits. But you know, the throws where he actually steps in throws are few and far between, and they look good when he does. But I, I just think he's starting to swim in this right now. And you know, again, I don't want to make excuses, but you know, the facts are the facts. You know, he's you know is 17th or 18th game with you know a second offense and you know no offseason that is a factor people don't want to hear it but it is true uh we have to live with it for now 
the question is going to be, are we going to see that progression from, you know, we haven't seen it in that first quarter review. Are we going to see it incremental improvement by the halfway point, by the end of the year? I don't know, but I, I really think this is the hand that Jason Garrett has been dealt, and he's not going to put his quarterback and offense in a position, you know, to fail. He's going to protect, and I think that's this is what you're seeing right now with that. I have to say that, um, you know, th- there hasn't been much to brag about from this offense. Um, I think we saw a little bit of what we saw last year with Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones connecting and just in general um, having a chemistry that is continuing to work. And that's good to see continuing into this year, even if there are missteps in installing a new offense that has kept that from being, you know, continuing right after, you know, turning the page. Um, Yeah. My, the jury is out for me on Slayton because I think he's being treated as his, a number one receiver by Daniel Jones, but I don't think he can carry the load. I mean, he does have drops. He, you know, there are things in his game that's like, if you're going to be a number one receiver, you have to be relied on. And I don't have. I don't that. think that Darius Slayton is a number one receiver, and I think he would thrive as a number two. But he kind of is in this offense right now. Well, especially with throwing Shepard out, absolutely. Yeah, and Golden, and Golden Tate, Tate is, 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 is kind of just on the back end of his career. It just right. is what this offense is right now, and that's fine. Right, and I, right, but I'm just saying, you know, for you know people that you know when you see a highlight of his or something or a great catch, it's like, oh, this guy's really something special. He's not, uh, and then maybe a part of that's because he's still young and still trying to figure it out. Same, same issues that ha- with Daniel Jones that he's going through also. But I, we definitely need to see a lot more progression out of him if he's going to be. Even a, even a solid number two in this league, uh, you know, just that consistency. And that's what I'm saying about him. I mean, I, th- I think if you have him as the guy that just has to beat his one-on-one coverage, he's perfect. As a number one who's going to get bracketed on every play, it's going to be tough for him in this league. If he can be the number two where if this team has an Amari Cooper on it or something where, you know, they their attention is stopping him – Darius Slayton can win his one-on-ones and catch the ball most of the time. I mean, he's going to be the guy who you can't just ignore and just put a guy on. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so right now, he's being treated as number one, and I don't think that's his future. I don't think that's his ultimate uh, destination. That's not where he'll thrive. He's not going to be Plaxico Burris, who is tall and fast enough and has the ball skills and and the smarts and all the moves at the top of his route to beat double coverage all the time consistently and just, you know, have to elevate his game when you're up against a good defense. He's not going to be that guy, but he's going to be a Mario Manningham where when Nixon Cruz get the attention, he will 100% win his one-on-ones. He'll catch the ball. He'll score touchdowns. You know what I mean? He'll well, be where he's we hope to that. Be. We hope that's what he develops into because he's that's, not even that right now. Right, yeah, I, I think that that's what his destination is, and yeah, um, you know, it's good to see that he is. He had a, a another good game where he is still the best receiver on this offense right now. Yeah, that's a low bar too right now. But yes, I see what you're saying. I just I just want people's expectations to be, you know, again because of a flashy play here or there does not mean they have this guy is any more reality. Yes, this is not the next coming of Victor Cruz where it's just, you know, flashy play and all of a sudden, well, he's really good and becomes a number one. This is not that guy. I mean, he would be nice to have in a stable of wide receivers and he's young enough that that he could be part of a core, you know, that can grow with Daniel Jones. But he's, he's not there yet and he's never going to be more than, you know. Um, another thing I want to say also, I want to get back to, uh, to Jason Garrett for a minute. You know, I like Tony Romo as an announcer. I think he's damn good, but... Couple things that you know he said on Sunday, which can be you know, um, scratching my head a little bit. One, he was just over in love with the defense. You know, he thinks this is a really, really good defense, and I think you know, slow your roll a little bit there, Tony. But he more than one time kept mentioning how Jason Garrett had a great, outstanding play calling today, outstanding, and I think that's predicated because we threw in a lot of trick plays. I mean, I don't, I don't believe it. Just because you run a trick play, that means it's great play calling. 
No. In, I think yeah, you saw that, something in the film room. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, those are nice. Those are nice. You know, you can't trick play your way down the field and you can't trick play a win. I mean, so I think it was nice. Those are some, you know, fun plays and they worked. But I don't think that means necessarily that it was a great play calling game. That goes back to your point about you're not even sure what we're trying to do. So uh, let's not get crazy that it was such a great uh, game plan and play calling because it was highlighted by, you know, an end around or a flea flicker or, you know, uh, Andrew Thomas catching a two point conversion. And that's, you know. Those are fun. Those are nice. Those get you off kilter a little bit, but you don't win a game that way consistently. No. And I, you know what? I want to say the flea flicker, first of all, was a very near disaster. To, to say that it was a great play call is already – I mean it was it was borderline luck that that, even, that could have been like an, an eight-yard loss best case scenario at one point in that play. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that was a very near disaster. The two-point conversion, though, and I'll say this, the two-point conversion has to be your best play, and that was a great play call for that. You know, I, 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 I'm I, not going to say that that is not a statement on the entire game or the entire offense. I think for that situation, that's a great play call. That was fantastic, especially because this team, you know, albeit has no identity right now, I don't think as, as a defensive coordinator, as Mike Nolan... I, in my wildest dreams, think that we're throwing to a rookie left tackle on two-point conversion. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> in that instance, beautiful play call. I, I think it was – and it was executed brilliantly by Jones as well. You know, he – it wasn't just that he threw to a tackle. It's that, you know, he had all the mo- offense moving to the right and he throws – He sold it. Body. It was He definitely beautiful. sold it. it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you something, though. If that is in our, you know – Playbook, would you use it at that point, at this point in the season? Well, if you, yeah, if you have no wins, yeah, I don't mind. I, I guess, I guess so. Okay. I mean, if, if we're, if we're really in the running for the division, you know, like let's forget, forget every team in this division's record right now. Let's say everybody in this, in this division is two and two. I see your point. Yeah, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I also want to kind of bring up about Daniel Jones, and it's kind of like that he still doesn't have, you know, the awareness on the field yet. And he's still kind of processing things and it does not have this game, you know, with muscle memory yet. Uh, the third down play before we punted in the last possession, when, when Dallas got the ball and it was third and something, he was under pressure. He scrambled mm-hmm. and he threw, he threw it, away, it I think. threw it away. You know, something he should have just taken the sack there. If you're going to punt anyway, you might as well let the clock you're, run. You're, you're, yeah, or let them burn a timeout. One of the two yeah, things. One of the two. I mean, it's one of those, you know, that is something where, you know, again, still a very young quarterback, doesn't, but you need to be thinking about those things, and it has to be a natural thought, you know. And that's that's that play in alone, I mean, we didn't lose the game for that, but it certainly didn't help. You know, the, the, the clock manager at the end of the game. But those are the types of things you have to see. Will Daniel Jones, you know, when you're doing your evaluation with him, you know, three games down the road, six games down the road next year, is he making better decisions on the fly? You know, it's that's that separates a really bad quarterback from a pretty good quarterback is natural decision making, instantaneous, not having to process and do it. And that was something where, you know, once he started moving around, he wasn't he lost track of time and place in the game. And uh, those are the types of things that we get in a similar situation. How does he handle it? That's the things I'm really looking forward to him. Yeah, and you, you know, you say we didn't lose the game because of that. Um, you know, not directly, but uh, you know, it's not like right after that play, you know we had stopped the clock for Dallas and now they kick a field goal or something like that. Um, but you don't know. I mean, with time management, things get wonky. Uh, Mike McCarthy's kind of a, a dummy. You know, maybe he doesn't take the time out right there because he's thinks he's smarter holding on to them for your offense, which I fundamentally don't agree with because there's so many other ways you can stop the clock when you have the ball, incomplete passes, going out of bounds, spiking the ball, etc. Um, you know, you just have more non-timeout options. Uh, but, you know, 
in 2016, week one, the Giants played the Cowboys, and it was a similar situation like this. And I don't remember who for the Cowboys caught the pass in field goal range, chose not to go out of bounds, yep. tried to yep. get extra I'll- yards. He was tackled by Landon Collins and Dominique Rogers Cromarty, I'm pretty sure. And they I was at were, that game. Yeah. They were out of timeouts, and they were scrambling to go there and spike the ball, and they couldn't get it done in time. Time ran out. Giants win the game. You know, that one you can say directly led to it because there is nothing that happened after it, but it's kind of the same concept. I mean, it's just because it didn't the game didn't end right after Daniel Jones chose to throw the ball away, it's harder to directly link anything. But any number of things can happen if Dallas has to waste a timeout there. So you make a really excellent point and you know, it's it's an ambiguous what if kind of argument and slippery slope style argument. That, that you can't ever really totally prove, but you can pose a hypothetical situation in which taking a sack there nets in overtime, you know? So, yeah, yeah I think that's fair. It, that was Terrence Williams. I remember that play. I was at that game. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, again, it's it's one data point. And, you know, again, I... I highlight that more because I saw, you know, again, a lot of a lot of deer and headlight play by him today. And, you know, something if he would have been further along and had been like, oh, you know, the smarter move might have been for that. But it's just like, OK, I, I, I'm seeing a quarterback who's not there yet and is starting to swim in it, too. And, and it's just kind of like so I'm kind of looking for things that are kind of prove my point. And it's like, oh. That wasn't very smart, and he didn't. You know, you could tell that he was trying to make a play when you don't have to make a play in that spot. So overtime could be your friend. Sure, absolutely. I think, especially if you have a backup quarterback on the other side of the ball, I think if if your defense is um, playing pretty well, which they were, um, I think overtime is your friend. But was running, but was running out of gas though too. Was running out you of know? gas, but also I, yeah. I think first of all, you always play for overtime if you if you're if you're tied and you're not going to get, if you're not going to oh, score, you, yeah, so. Exactly. So shorten the game. Overtime can be your friend. It might be your only friend. So you, you play. Exactly. Um, speaking of data points, um, when we do stars and farts, I might do an honorable or dishonorable mention uh, for, for, but most of the time I don't talk about stars unless they had a great game, not one great play. You know, maybe if it's a pivotal play, They'll get a star. Maybe if it's a pivotal play in this group, they'll get a fart. David Tyree got a star. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the exception. He also had two touchdowns in that game. He gets right, a star right, right. anyway. Um, right. But I've watched the play three or four times. Cam Fleming is getting a fart for his not getting set on a fake field goal. It's a ticky tack call. It really, you know, sometimes isn't called when it's a normal field goal. I think the fact that it was a fake factors into them throwing the flag. Um, you know, I, I know that because it was a, a trick play, Nick Gates or, or whoever the, the center is, I don't know if it's a long snapper or if it was Nick Gates, but somebody snaps the ball really quickly on that play. But when I watch it and I watch it again, he's the only one not running into his stance on that whole line. And that was a killer penalty because it was a brilliantly executed play. And by that, I don't mean just throwing the ball. You know, you have a punter throwing a ball, but, you know, Evan Ingram is kind of faking like he's walking off the field and having a conversation and understanding. It, it faked out the camera guys. It faked out everything. It, it was faked a great out play. Everything. It was a great play, and it took seven off the board and replaced it with three. Can't, I, I, you know, I. it sucks to have to, like, point to a singular person. I got it. I have to. You know, you run that play in practice a million times or whatever. Just get in your fucking stance. Get lined up and get in your stance. I don't care that he snapped the ball fast. You were the last one. You were the only one. Get in your stance. I'm sorry. That's an example of losers lose. And that's an example of how a culture has to change. You know, and for it to happen on the, you know, the on special teams makes it even more of a glaring, you know, fart. You know, it, it, it's a wet, juicy fart. It's like, you know, that's what Joe Judge, you know, that's his background. That's that's the, the, the standard he's looking for, not only the special teams guys, but his team to be in that level of, you know, 
making sure the uh, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And to do something like that is just that's a loser's lose. And you know, unfortunately, that this team doesn't have the talent where a guy like that sits. You know, no. you can't punish yeah, no, it. No, no, no. You you can't punish a guy for for something like that because we don't have the talent. There's nobody pushing these guys because this roster is thin. So you know, you have a guy like Matt Parrott that you hope one day is your right tackle, uh, is a very developmental guy. He's coming from UConn, or or, e- or even just in special teams. Like you just lost your job on special teams. Like that's another problem with this team is we don't have that depth yet, and we don't have that you know this infrastructure yet to for you know mistakes are made and they're just like what are you going to do? Yell at him, and you know, I mean, the the way these guys respond is they don't play. So, yeah, that's that, that that's a definite part for me. Um, and, and you know, to your credit, with losers lose, I'm gonna state this. I've stated this many times on the podcast, on Twitter. It's my motto for sports: officials are going to screw up. It is just part of the game, and it's it's unfair and it's inexcusable because they have their job to do. But it's part of the game, you know, and you can add replay to anything you want to try and minimize human error. But it's always going to be a thing where human error is going to be a part of it. You have to win by more than what officials can take away from you. And the Giants Mm. aren't that good. I mean, that's just my standard rule. It just is. There's going to be games where officials are going to make a critical mess up. And you have to be better than that. If you look at... The 2011 NFC Divisional game, the Giants played the Packers, and I don't know what happened to the Packers because they were legit on fire that year. But for some reason, that game, they were all out of sorts, and the Giants were just taking it to them. But by God, the officials were screwing up left and right. Flags not being... Bad first down, bad spots, you know... Everything was going against the Giants' way. But they were a good team, and they were able to overcome some shitty officiating that day. And you have to be that good if you're going to be successful in this league. This team is barely good enough to get out of their own way. You know, they're the stumbling toddler with both shoes untied. And, you know, there's no. I get all, I get all that, but you know something? When you come down to the 59th minute and 54th second of a game, and you are one play from winning, all of that doesn't matter. It's, you know, it, it, but it's just the reality of it. I know it's not fair right. and it, it doesn't matter, but, but, I, but I, I don't, that, I don't believe in that. You know, you have to overcome, you have to be better than overcoming their mistakes. It, you know, it's sometimes it's just, you get screwed right. <laughs> yeah. to, be, to be very honest. And, you know, and the league is, I think I have always been from day one, a proponent of instant replay. I do not Me believe too. they, they do not have not implemented instant replay correctly from the very beginning. They, they are so afraid of, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the referees and their union and having people look bad because they get something wrong. You know, it shouldn't be a challenge. I mean, I've always said a replay official should be an equal partner to we the rest saw of the that staff too with the AAF and it was, it worked well. Yeah. I know, I know it's a different league with a different standard, but I mean, obviously it was, you can only work with what you're working with. And it was, you know, full transparency with TV. The whole conversation between right. the upstairs official and the down on the field official was aired on TV. And they had a communication and it worked really well. And the goal of replay is to get obvious calls correct. And especially when they're objective. When there is a is a foot inbound, yes or no. The rule is if your foot's out of bound, it's out of bounds. Now, there's things like holding and there's things like pass interference, which is subjective. And the use of replay doesn't make sense because it's purely subjective. But for things that are, did the ball hit the ground before, yes or no, that's the point of replay to make sure they get it right. And not saying a millimeter versus half a millimeter means something that's, you know, they miss it on the field. It's okay. It's okay to miss things on the field when you have the technology behind you to support it. But it can't be something that's used as, a punitive, you know, punishment or something, or a, a, a coach has to be the one that say, Hey guys, I think you fucked up. Can you take a look at it again? Or coaches using it as strategy or something like that. No. So I, again, I can't stand the fact that, you know, 
I don't like the fact that older men are trying to keep up with the fastest, strongest athletes in the world. You know, I think there should be more officials on the field so they can catch things, use technology as much as possible. Um, But it has to be implemented smarter and not just in the way it is now because people just get more pissed off and say, well, what's the point? Why having instant replay? You're absolutely right. Um, That being said, the two things that were, you know, they were subjective calls, but I'm sorry. The offensive pass interference that wiped away a Giants touchdown, it was horseshit. That's a horseshit call. And I would, I am an honest person. You know, I, I'm not going to bitch and complain if it goes in the Giants' favor, but I'll call it like I see him. That was a horseshit call. That is a standard rub route. There's no clear block of a defender to prevent. It is an actual route combination. It was a rub route. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that was... It, it, it was a costly call that does not get called. The not calling a holding on the final play. I mean, people who don't give a shit about the outcome of this game on Twitter are like, that was as clear and obvious as it gets. And you're now looking at in the Cowboys' final drive being a first and 20 on their 10-yard line or something. doesn't get called, mm-hmm. and instead they get a first down, and they're already at fucking midfield. I mean, with two guys, a guy with his hands both in the air with arms wrapped around him, I mean, it doesn't get any more than that. And, you know, we, we, we see the officials got his hand on the flag and doesn't throw it. What the fuck is that? I mean, again, again, this is not the reason they lost. You have to be better than... I, mean, I agree with you. The way instant replay is implemented is not at its full potential. It's not even close. It's not implemented correctly. It's not equal parts. It has to be overturned. Why? I don't know. But nevertheless, that's the way the rules are right now. So as a team, you got to be better than that. And they're not better than that. You can't... Th- th- this team isn't good enough to deal with a back-breaking call and the other team. They're not good well, enough. Well, the, wor- the worst thing about calls like that is the time those calls happen is, you know, the most important thing sports have, it's credibility and the belief that they are on the up and up. And the worst thing you can do in any sport is the slightest possible perception that this shit's all fixed. And it's all geared towards, well, the Cowboys are ratings. And we, you know, the NFL wants that. And when you see calls like that, you know whether it's 100% just a bad call and nothing or anything, in the back of your mind it is, well... They want Dallas to win this game because they want them to win the division and make the playoffs and blah, 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 blah. So it's, it just comes down to officials just have to be better. They just have to be better. I mean, to me, if I buy a ruler, I expect every single time I want to measure 12 inches, it is 12 inches. I don't buy a ruler that nine times out of 10 is 12 inches. Sometimes it's nine inches. It has to be right Every single time. And the standard that these officials need to be put to is you need to be correct as most as much of the time as you possibly can. And, you know, if it's I don't know how you change it for things like holding or something, but, you know, something has to be done because when, you know, so many people say something is wrong and all the NFL can do is say, whoops, we blew it. Yeah, that's bullshit. Sorry, and that's you know. Late. Yeah, it's too late. Th- thanks. Just for perspective, on the, on the holding call, I was sitting at the bar. I didn't even get mad because I was chewing food, and I did my standard mimicking throwing a flag. I didn't even get up because I thought it was so obvious it was coming. The camera moves to follow the pass, and I'm still waiting for the flag to come, and it never came. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't even get up and exclaim and stamp my foot when it was happening because I thought it was so obvious it was absolutely coming. And I was like... Are we kidding me right now with not flagging that? Is this a joke? The angriest I have ever been in my sporting life. The angriest. Oh, this has to was, be 2000, right? Or what is that? What year was that? The field goal? The, box the, snap? 2000, the 2003 bot snap against San Francisco in, in divisional playoffs where two penalties should have been called and weren't. And blatant as blatant can be. And what does the NFL do? Sorry, we got it wrong. No, that's not good enough. I mean, you know, when they say things like, oh, you know, in basketball in the final couple of minutes, you know, 
you have to, you know, you can't call that at this point of the game or in overtime in hockey where like, oh, the refs, they just swallow the whistle. The rule like, all the of rule. A, yeah. All of a sudden, because it's overtime that, you know, we're not enforcing rules. That's not the way it works. A rule is a rule is a rule. I look in the rule book. It doesn't say, well, for the first two periods it is, but then, eh, you know, oh, last play of the game. Oh, because it's a fumble and, you know, chaos. Oh, we're just not going to call defensive holding, pass interference, you know, attempted rape, whatever happens back there. No. And it, 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 it's, again, it, so I, I, rules are rules and enforcement should be standard and equal and equally applied and as close to perfect as you can get. And I keep going back to this over and over again, but, you know, there's too much money in this league now. There's too much money for, you know, people who gamble on it. There's too much money for how much these players are making. There's too much with ratings. There's too much money to be incorrect and that egregiously wrong on things with no repercussions. You know, refs are hide behind a union that, you know, they don't get a slap in the wrist at all in public. There's, you know, they're, they're like basically like tenured uh, teachers and it's bullshit and it, it it hurts credibility in a sport and you know if the NFL wants to be thought of as wrestling go right ahead but you know something no one's going to care anymore if they don't think it's real so something has to be done yeah it it, it was infuriating um, again the Giants are in that spot because they're not very good so I, I don't want this podcast to be the blame things outside of our control podcast. That's not what. Oh I, no! I, I, I just mean, think we're not, it's, it's yeah. important to point out that um, I think that this team played in a way that they should have won, and it's you know they're they're zero and five now. Me complaining about this doesn't make them division leaders or playoff bound or or a better team for that matter. I just think you know they had fourteen points wiped off the board. Um, they they had, you know, Dallas is able to march down the field when they they shouldn't have been able to. This 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 was a game that they played. They I feel like they earned a win, and it has to feel like shit if you're them that you can't get anything to go your way. I'm not going to go that far about they played that they should have won. I'm going to say they played to a way where they could have won, and I think that's all you really. I mean. There are not many times, even the really good teams, too, that, you know, well, they should have won, but they didn't. Uh, that happens. But I think they they played above and beyond what our expectation is and where we think they are in their progression. To to be in a position where they could have won is a is a minor star. You know, it's a moral victory, but it is a, it's a star, uh, you know. We need to see continue this train moving forward where. They're putting themselves more and more positions to they could have won. You know, we're a long way away from being we should have won, but we're getting more and more for could have won. Uh, really quick, do we want to talk about uh, the injuries? The two big ones. The two big ones? The only one I've got is Lorenzo Carter is out for the year officially. Uh, his his Achilles was ruptured. Yeah, I, I wanted to start actually with the bigger one with, with Dak, I think. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay, we hate the Cowboys. We, we all know that. We hate the Eagles. We hate the, the, the Redskins. Uh, it doesn't matter when a guy like that goes down. And, you know, um, you know, we've <laughs> – it's been a running debate on this show. Probably more than anything we argue about is how good do we think Dak Prescott really is. Uh, but that doesn't really matter when a guy – when you see a guy being carted off and crying – not because he's crying because he's hurt because, you know, his life just yeah. his life just changed and it's really really awful. And I actually want to give a small star to Giants Twitter. Yeah, because I, agree. I, 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 I was I was, was going to say that you wouldn't. I was really fearing the worst. You know, uh, I, I think it's I think you know, the, Twitter's a cesspool. And a lot of you giant Twitter people, you know, add to it. And quite frankly, so do I. You know, I don't think anybody wants to see some of the things I wrote immediately after the, the Gator game on Saturday. And, you know, but I think for the people that we interact with and the people that we follow and the people that follow us, I want to give I want to commend everybody for showing decency and showing respect. You know, we may not like 
Dak Prescott is a player. We, you know, we may hate the organization. We're bitter rivals, but I think I was pretty proud of the the people I have to read and, and get to read you now showing the respect to a guy because, you know, we all the best way to beat a team is to beat them, you know, at, at their stress. best. Yeah, absolutely. you know something. I'm going to use a quick analogy, like you know, Rays Yankees this year. You know, we destroyed the Yankees all season. A lot of their key guys were out. And, you know, everybody got healthy for the Yankees. We just played them in a five-game series. Hard fought. We won. Much more satisfying to me that Stanton and Judge and, you know, all these guys were back and healthy and we beat them at their best. Um, you don't want to back into anything. You know, the, the trophy all counts the same, but, you know, you, there is a personal satisfaction in being the best. And, you know, the Cowboys this year are not going to be the same without Dak Prescott. Um it's just the thing about competition. I'm, I'm just glad that uh, nobody took the low road, you know, you know, dancing on the guy's, you know, grave or anything. So kudos to all you guys who do we interact with. I think that was professional and classy. And uh, I hope that uh, other teams see that and maybe even Dax sees it or something. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I didn't see a single thing. Uh like you said, dancing on the grave. I think some of it also is that everybody knows his contract situation um, with the sure. Cowboys, and and that factors in you know heavily against him now uh, with this with, with this injury. Um, I suffered a very similar injury <laughs> um, in high school, and it sucks. It hurt a lot. Um, I actually could not. I mean, I was on like some private property at the time skateboarding so I, 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 I my first instinct was to try and leave uh, and I did not get very far I actually had to end up taking an ambulance um, and it hurt and for reference my foot will still click 100% of the time when I rotate it every single time it'll click um, it is a bad injury I mean we're not talking Alex Smith level of injury but we, we need that as a soundbite we need as a soundbite the clicking leg. Like every time something happens, we just drop that in here somehow. It's just like, it's. It, I mean, I don't know how. <laughs> it's one of those things also that I can like feel if you put your finger like around my ankle region. It, but whatever. Um, you're right. Uh, it was something I noticed as well. The, a very unanimous sentiment from everybody that I see on my time lean time line, yeah. um, was was very nice to see. Think about uh, think about my man Dan Mullen, head coach of uh, the Florida Gators. Think of the weekend he had. You know, obviously, you know the horrible loss on Saturday, but the two most successful quarterbacks ever to come out of a Dan Mullen offense in college are Alex Smith and Dak Prescott. And in the span of you know three hours, one guy comes back from a devastating injury. I don't even understand how you know, he's walking. It's it's amazing, and then three hours later, Dak Prescott goes down, and he has to start that whole process too. So, you know, it's uh, you know, you just feel for guys like that. You just you know, you remember these guys are they're people, and hopefully this how this whole spring and summer has taught people that you know, show some empathy that you know these guys are not just uh, they're not fantasy football things. They're not uh. You know, they're not chess pieces that you kind of maneuver around, you know, whether it's your fantasy team or just buying and selling their football cards or just all you care about is your team winning. They're people. And, uh, you know, sucks for him. And I hope him and Lorenzo Carter, you know, get healthy first and get back on the football field as soon as they can. Um, I do want to mention a, a star uh, on the Giants, not just Giants Twitter. It's worth mentioning now, uh, I think he's probably the leading scorer on the Giants, but Graham Gano has been phenomenal. Um, this team would not be in any situation to have won any games. Uh, like, as I said, out of five games now, I think four, four you can you can say that they had a shot to win about... We were competitive in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's that's all to, to Graham Gano. His only miss this year is from 57 yards. He was money... This week, uh, 55, 50, and 54 on three of his field goals, and then 28 for his fourth one. Um, I think we don't appreciate how much uh, trouble we were in kicker-wise. 
you know, with, with, you know, first with Josh Brown's situation where, you know, you have a, a, a great kicker that has domestic violence issue. He's got to go, you know, then you, you bring in this kid who's got the big leg, Aldrich Rosas. Nobody knows him. He has a rough first year and everyone's got to come out and defend him. The guys that work with him, there's like, trust me, he'll get it figured out. He's got a good leg. He's a good kid. He has a great, he has a Pro Bowl year. And then, you know, he has a shoddy year. And then, oops, he's got a fucking drunk driving issue. He's got to go. We're on our heels. We don't just go out and get a guy who can get us through the season. He's been money this year. Um, you know, I... I, I guess that I guess that doesn't count when you're doing the uh, evaluation of Dave Gettleman. I'm, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll evaluate that if and when uh, Dave Gettleman is fired. Or if that doesn't happen... Um, at the halfway point in the season, we'll get to Dave Gettleman this year. Um, no, no, I'm I'm just saying though, that everybody's so quick to fire him for every horrible move he makes. But you know, little moves like this between the margins, you know, we, which turns we, out we to be a major. Off as a little move, this isn't a little move. Kicker is usually yeah. your big time scorer on a team. And yeah, but I mean, you know, but it's probably you know, if if I told you. Name the top 25 transactions in the last two years with the Giants. He's probably number 26 that people just don't, you know. Sure, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason why I'm highlighting him. You know, when we get to Dave Gettleman, I'll get through all his free agent moves because the big talk of him was, yeah, he's pretty good at drafting, I guess, but his free agent signings are garbage. And now all of a sudden it's flipping. It's, well, Blake Martinez and James Bradbury are great, but his draft picks aren't panning out. Guys, got to make up your fucking minds, all right? And uh, you know, just because now he's winning on some free agency doesn't mean you get to flip your opinion from before. Um, but we'll we'll get to all that shit. Um, yeah. I, again, no love for the guy. I don't I don't really care if he ends up walking. Personally, I I never met him. I never will meet him. Probably. Um, you know, I hope he has a nice life and all. But if he ends up getting fired, he's no longer part of the Giants organization. I could care less. I just want this team to win. And I believe in being honest when evaluating it. So, you know, that's, that's all that is for me. There's something you got to remember too, and it might impact colleges more than the NFL, but with this year, you know, teams have lost a lot of revenue, especially the Jets and the Giants who have no attendance. And, you know, when you just fire a guy, you still have to pay him. And, you know, the odds of – I'm actually very surprised that uh, that Quinn was fired in Atlanta and uh, O'Brien was fired in Houston because I thought, A, I thought that, you know, it's not fair to these guys with the offseason they had, and B, the replacement cost, you know, Again, there's not as much revenue this year as there was before. I think the O'Brien um, firing is coming late, in my opinion. That one should yeah, have been and, done already. And C, I thought that, you know, if you're a coach and you see that an organization would smoke you so you know, early into a season after the COVID summer we had, you know, that would be like a stigma. It's, it's interesting that it took the first team to do it before a second one happened. Like, it was like, okay, we're now free to do that but don't think it's a slam dunk if you know this team is still five and eleven that Gettleman will be fired because there is a financial impact to that that you know we just don't have we're not printing money this year like we normally do with that the Giants will face the Washington football team next week and we will have the pregame coverage for you Friday morning as usual so be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. Uh, you can find me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan, where you know what's going on right now. We have, you know, we're, you'll be receiving this on Tuesday morning after the Raids have taken their 2-0 lead in the ALCS. Uh, that's a big topic. If you don't like R-rated language and occasionally X-rated language, don't start following me for another couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, you know, my Gators took a giant crap on the in the bed on Saturday. Their defense is worse than the Giants right now. I talk a lot about that. Uh, you know, so much going on with the Giants and everything. So follow me at the Cranky Fan. Buyer beware. <laughs> and with that, everybody, go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.